Sustainability Unwrapped, a conversational podcast about responsibility, ethics, inequalities, climate change, and other challenges of our times, where science needs practice to think about our world and how to make our society more sustainable one podcast at a time. Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Hanken School of Economics series, Sustainability Unwrapped. Our topic today is fostering diversity and inclusion in the digital games industry. My name is Marke Kivijärvi and I am your host. I come from the Jyväskylä University School of Business and Economics, where I work as Academy of Finland postdoctoral researcher. In my current project, I looked at women's careers in the games industry in Finland and in Canada, and I have really learned that women encounter multiple challenges when they try to establish career in this yet very much male-dominated field. For example, they often lack access to male networks or simply don't feel like they fit in to this rather masculine culture. However, these entry barriers, they actually go beyond the cis women. Previous studies have also demonstrated that building a career in the digital games industry is challenging not only for women, but also other marginalized groups like racial and sexual minorities. And uh, these groups can also feel excluded from the gamer culture at large. Uh, The need to foster diversity and inclusion is increasingly addressed both within the industry as well as the wider society. In the industry, there is a shortage of games workers and women are recognized as one big underutilized resource. The industry makeup is still male-dominated. Globally, women constitute about one-fifth of the workforce and the situation is the same here in Finland. According to the Game Industry of Finland 2020 report, which was published by Near Games, women comprise 22% of the industry workforce. In addition to the gender imbalance, there is also a desire to bring in more foreign talents. This is something that particularly the industry veterans and organizations representing the industry have promoted in the media. Overall, there is a great business motivation to attract, to recruit and hold on to diverse workforce. On the societal level, we can see that there have been a number of social media movements regarding the discrimination and marginalization faced by gender, racial and sexual minorities in different social spaces, including the digital games culture and the industry. Um, I'm sure you have also seen these. Um, Some of the recent examples are the uh, Stop Asian Hate Movement, which was launched against racism and the uh, global Me Too campaign, which exposed sexist behavior and harassment and systemic discrimination of women. While these issues are seemingly very topical at the moment, they are actually not new. In fact, the discriminatory and non-inclusion aspects of the games culture and industry have been talked about ever since 2014 when the Gamergate online harassment movement against women game developers and feminist media critics brought these issues to the wider public. And the way I see and study diversity and inclusion is that they pretty much go hand in hand. 
And for us to be able to have diversity, that is people with different kinds of um, ethnical and racial backgrounds, gender identities, sexual orientations and so on, you will definitely need to ensure that there are opportunities for these people with, with uh, varied kinds of identities to feel included, that they feel like they belong and that they are accepted as the way they are. A very important share of work towards more inclusive organizational cultures and gamer cultures is done through voluntary work in various non-profit organizations. And today I have great pleasure to talk with two games industry actives who do volunteer work to support diversity and inclusion in the games industry spaces, as well as the wider tech sector. I'm very happy to welcome our guests. Jenni Ahlapuro works as communications consultant within the tech and games industry at NetProfile, and she's also a community volunteer at Inclusive. Welcome, Jenni. Thank you. It's great to be here. We also have with us Marianne Mätta, the co-founder and president of Female Gaming Finland RU. Welcome, Marianne. Um, thanks for the invitation, and I'm happy to join. So, during this podcast, we will be talking about your personal experiences from the games industry and gaming cultures. We will also envision and try to figure out some solutions to how diversity and inclusion can be supported and how to prepare for that. To begin, uh, would you like to tell a little bit more about yourselves? Jenny, maybe you could start. Sure. Um, so as my daily job, I work as a communications consultant within the tech and games industry at NetProfile. Um, and diversity is a key theme for me due to my work at a very white and male dominant field. Um, I work with tech companies on a daily basis. And one of the key challenges is finding enough skilled workforce with diverse backgrounds. But it's also about creating better products and services as well as doing the right thing. Um, I'm also a community volunteer at Inclusive, which is a nonprofit organization founded in 2019 with the mission to support organizations in their diversity, equity and inclusion journey. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, how about you, Marianne? <clears throat> well, I'm the president of Female Gaming Finland RY, aka FGF, and also one of its founder members. Uh, I'm also a social work student in University of Jyväskylä and I work as a game educator in School of Gaming. Um, uh, FGF was uh, founded <laughs> basically because of uh, diversity issues in gaming culture. Um, we felt like uh, female gamers and people part of gender minorities could benefit from a gaming community of their own. That's why inside our organization, we discuss a lot about diversity issues and we also work together so that we could have a more diverse gaming culture. Thanks, Marianne. Happy to have you here as well. Uh, so um, how would you describe your personal relation and involvement in digital games? Do you play yourselves and what kinds of experiences do you have from the game culture? I play a lot of video games myself um, ever since from my early childhood, really. So I have a lot of mixed experiences. Um, 
overall, I have always had a supportive group of gamer friends who have made me feel welcome. Uh, but of course, I also have faced a lot of prejudices and assumptions based on gender stereotypes. Um, I mostly play story-based single-player games myself, um, a lot of RPGs and so on. So I think I do get it somewhat easier than people playing online games, for example. But I still face gender-based harassment, bullying, and even disdain at gaming-related online communities. Um, for example, some people assume I can't play or have a certain taste because of my gender. Like, I'm only into easy or casual games or don't really know much about gaming or the history of games. And for some reason, um, some people often feel like asking for random irrelevant trivia so I can prove I'm this mythical real gamer, which I'm sure a lot of uh, women have faced um, during their game years. Um, and I think it's a form of gatekeeping, which also often happens based on gender alone. And we do have plenty of studies and data that shows that women play games almost as much as men, yet people latch onto these stereotypes and keep on repeating them. And of course, a lot of uh, has changed since my youth. I'm um, 30 something right now. And, uh, and we have more initiatives, organizations and activists trying to improve the space for all. And that's something I'm extremely happy about personally. Um, kids today are all used to playing something. And I hope my generation of 30 somethings is the last one to gatekeep gaming. Mm, okay, my turn. <laughs> I have been playing video games since I was a child. Mm, my first console was Nintendo NES and I've been playing ever since. Nowadays I mostly play on PC, but I also uh, play on PS, uh, aka PlayStation and on Nintendo Switch. I have lots of experiences from gaming culture since I've been a part of it for a quite long time. Uh, I also belong to different gamer groups on social media, which are geared towards women. I don't play that much with random people, but when I do, the experiences are not always so nice. Uh, for example, I remember this one time uh, when I grouped up with uh, some random guys on Overwatch and we played quite many matches together. Uh, well, eventually they found out I was a female. <laughs> because people usually think that I sound like a young boy. But yeah, uh, when they found out I was a female, they uh, started laughing and discussing something in their own language and then they kicked me out. Like it was okay to play multiple matches with me until they found out I was a woman. Uh, also, the harassing on voice chat is quite familiar to me. Um, Female Gaming Finland we decided to found uh, when I was filling for this one Overwatch tournament. I met some female players during the tournament and we became friends. We discussed a lot about the gaming culture in Finland and we wondered why women didn't have a gaming community here at all since we felt like it was needed. Then we decided to found it ourselves. Uh, when we started pla uh, to plan the founding, we decided to include people part of gender minorities to female gaming in Finland too, since we knew uh, gender minorities also counter lots of discrimination in the gaming culture. Thanks, Jenny and Marianne, for sharing your own gameplay experiences. Uh, I must say that these resonate quite well with the the 
the experiences that I have heard from so many other women in working in the industry and and who are involved in the in the gaming communities, and um, also for me personally because I'm not a gamer. I have played some games when I was a child, but to enter this kind of a field and to do research in in the games industry, it has been quite interesting because I very often bumped into this. Um, Assumption, first of all, that since I am studying games industry, I must be a gamer. And then when I say that I'm not, people are like, well, how can you study? Why do you want to study this? And how can you even understand anything that is going on here? So I, I think that this resembles the, the assumption, very strong assumption that you have to be a certain kind of gamer and very knowledgeable of games. But um, I'm sure that for both of you, as you explained your own experiences, it must be very uh, meaningful to do voluntary work in a community where you are also yourselves active participants and you can relate to some of the issues through your own personal experiences. And uh, at this point, I would be curious to hear what you perceive as the key issues regarding diversity in gaming and the games industry. Yeah, um, in gaming, women and minorities still face a lot of online harassment and bullying simply due to their gender, sexuality or ethnicity. Um, women make nearly half of all gamers and have done so for quite many years now, yet many are discouraged to continue playing games because of the poor treatment they receive. Um, some have even chosen not to participate using voice chats or opt to use male characters to hide their own gender. Mm, yeah, uh, I agree. For women, it may be harder, for example, to play games competitively, since many are afraid to use the voice chat. Uh, it's also common to create a neutral gamer tag, so no one knows your gender. Um, if we look at esports scene, for example, there are hardly any women or people who belong to gender minorities there. That means there aren't any role models for young people either. It may be harder for women, for example, to start even practice gaming skills, since we all know the gaming culture can be quite sexist and misogynistic. Gaming was considered a boy's a men's thing for a long time. Even today, I find that games are often advertised with a male lead. Even though you can create quite diverse characters nowadays in games, in the cover picture there is often a white male. Overall, there are lots and lots of structural barriers when it comes to women, gender minorities and gaming. In the last few years, we have been moving forward with this topic, but there's still lots to be done. As for the games industry, um, the issues seem to go hand in hand with the larger ICT field. Um, the industry is still very white and male dominant. Company culture may not be inclusive enough for all the voices to feel welcome or even heard, uh, making many minorities uncomfortable to apply for certain positions or companies. Uh, sexual harassment and poor treatment at industry events make women steer clear and according to many studies the lack of encouragement and role models impact their career paths early on so they may never enter the industry regardless of their initial interest and as Marke mentioned in the beginning we do need more workforce in tech and games and the demand is only growing in the future um, if you succeed in creating a diverse and inclusive company culture, this will attract diverse applicants as more people are encouraged to enter the industry. 
there are also other motivations to foster diversity. Homogeneous teams are less efficient and design less optimal products and services, whereas diverse teams increase customer satisfaction, are more efficient and help create more revenue too. Uh, yeah, I think this all sounds very interesting. And when I listen to you, um, I would maybe like to get some more details. So can you tell a little bit about how you actually tackle these issues in, in your organizations at Inclusive and at Female Gaming Finland? For example, what types of activities do you arrange to support diversity? Well, at Inclusive, the entire mission is to make work life more diverse by sharing information, offering concrete learnings and consultation, and acting as a resource hub for companies looking to kickstart their diversity journey. Um, the volunteer com com community, which I'm in, um, as well as the employees of the nonprofit organization, are all from various backgrounds, as diversity is um, a key value internally at Inclusive as well. And as for my day job as a comms consultant, I help my clients to recognize the most common pitfalls and support diversity throughout their PR and marketing efforts. Uh, many of my clients um, are recruiting a lot um, and they need to have their employer brand in a great shape to attract enough talent and diversity and inclusion are um, one of the key cornerstones in their work. Yeah, I'm sure that managing sort of the employer brand is particularly important in this type of a field where, where companies are really competing for talents. And I think it's also more challenging because it's nowadays quite common that uh, people who are looking for jobs, they actually look for information from social media platforms. You ask around from current and former employees, your friends, uh, and try to do this sort of an informal background checking. So to have your uh, brand uh, in a good shape, it's really important. And I think that with this um, sort of um, public um, acknowledgement of the importance of diversity and inclusion, people are becoming more um, aware of these issues and, and they are more um, concerning uh, or, or considering these issues more when, when they look for jobs. So uh, Jenny, you mentioned these pitfalls. Uh, I was wondering, based on your experiences, can you give some examples of the typical diversity barriers that these companies have and uh, maybe what kinds of changes they can make to improve the sense of belonging and inclusion? Uh, yeah, um, if we talk about external communications alone, which is pretty much um, the field I work in, um, it's the seemingly small little things um, like what is the tone of voice of your brand, which type of images do you use on your social feeds or websites or, or whatever. Um, if you use overly masculine language um, or white male dominant imagery, um, which is very common in tech and games, actually, it, it might be hard for someone to picture themselves working for your company if they don't see themselves uh, fit into the team. So diverse images make it easier for people from diverse backgrounds to feel welcome to even apply. Um, so I'd make sure uh, my website, social feeds and other channels would attract uh, the people I would want to reach uh, if I was someone looking for diverse applicants. Um, also, 
don't just settle with um, what the diverse people just won't apply and leave the efforts there. Um, I've heard this so many times, yet there's been no actions made to reach or attract uh, the diverse audiences they want to uh, reach out to. So if you have 20 white dudes on your company page and keep looking for a great culture feed, uh, what are the odds then other than white men feel welcome and even want to apply? Um, and on the cultural side, it's better to make sure your company culture actually is inclusive throughout and supports diversity before communicating that to external audiences. Because if your current employees don't feel included, they will react poorly to the misalignment between your words and actions. Thanks, Jenny. Um, it was quite interesting what you said about this issue, how you need to represent your company visually. And I, I find this to be a really nice hands-on uh, example that is quite easy for companies to accomplish and to pay attention to. Uh, because for companies who are interested in diversity, it may be easier to start off with something very practical such as this. And uh, as you also mentioned, this larger scale change in the company culture, it requires then a longer term commitment uh, where you really need to examine the various practices in the company and evaluate how well all of those align with supporting diversity. How about Marianne? Wh what do you actually do at Female Game Gaming Finland? Um, well, we have been organizing events related to gaming and working in game industry. Uh, in these events, we've had speakers from different organizations. For us, it is also extremely important to create at least one safe community where everyone can, where everyone can feel safe, discuss about these topics, share experiences and look for gaming friends uh, of similar people. That's why we also organize normal uh, gaming related events to our members and you can just come hang out there and have a chat with others. Okay, so how does this issue of safety actually arise? Uh, what does safety mean in this context and how can you then ensure a safe environment? Um, well, in our events we've had some people joining in just to troll. Uh, it's quite usual in gaming culture. Some people join our Discord server, for example, just send hateful and sexist messages or to tell something hateful in voice channels. This is why, for example, moderation and zero tolerance are super important and we need to intervene immediately when something like this happens. Also, if we, for example, organize gaming events, we need to think about the way people we, the way we let people talk. This is something that, for example, also esports organizations should consider. Like, it's not good if people, for example, yell, "Let's go, boys!" <laughs> when the game starts, even though it would feel a bit dumb to intervene in something like that, you definitely should. Uh, it takes a lot of patience and dedication to create a safer environment for everyone. Yeah, for sure. And uh, what you said about this way of talking and what kinds of words you use, it's very important actually. And I think it has to do with the fact that uh, both uh, gaming and also the games industry, they have been sort of traditionally very, very uh, boys 
playing field and and voice playing together and boys also establishing companies together and then it has been sort of normal to assume that everybody around us are are also boys or men and then you adopt this certain type of uh, language and sort of type of joking and so on and now it's just something that we actively need to remind ourselves and remind our uh, community members that hey, there are also women, there are also other other types of people who are very much involved in this hobby and in this industry. Um, how do the two of you then see the role of the non-profit sector in the work towards more inclusive gamer cultures? Why, why do you think that organizations such as the ones you are involved with are needed? Uh, yeah, well, the entire point of inclusive is to make um, diversity and inclusion related knowledge accessible to everyone, as well as support companies and organizations to make an impact. Um, and, and of course, we have many commercial entities offering DFI training, for example, but I think it's important to have non-commercial organizations operating in that space too, to ensure uh, support and latest information is indeed available for everyone. Um, we, for example, don't work directly with the gamer culture per se, but can offer insights to game companies to improve the inclusiveness of their company as well as um, the communities around their games. Um, well, like I earlier described, we felt like an association like FGF was needed because there wasn't anything like it yet in Finland. Uh, our association, for example, helps raising the knowledge about the state of women and gender minorities in gaming culture. We also help lots of researchers and work together with different colleges and universities. Uh, through this kind of cooperation, our members get more knowledge about topics, for example, working in the gaming field. Uh, we organize events that are related to gaming or working in the gaming field, and our events have been really liked so far, and people usually wish for more. Uh, that's why I myself see us as a connecting link between gamers and different organizations. Yeah, I'm sure that this this kind of um, bridging the, the, the different uh, communities and bridging different people is very important. Um, have you encountered any challenges when you try to foster diversity and what kinds of issues are we possibly looking at? Uh, quite often, yeah. Uh, for many, it might be difficult to recognize their own privileges and they may even start feeling guilty or as if someone is blaming them personally. And that's when people start shutting down from the possibility that not everyone gets the same opportunities. Um, sometimes people just choose to downplay any issues and sometimes people trying to foster diversity and inclusion are seen as um, party poopers or just challenging personas even though the aim is to make sure many voices are heard and uh, of course there's always uh, the people uh, who think diversity is uh, merely a PR stunt and they only want you involved to make their organization or themselves look good. Um, I've faced this a lot and, and for me it's very hard uh, to take part but it's also very hard to refuse uh, because I'm be, I'm someone or I'm trying to be someone who often aims to raise awareness and create impact. Uh, 
So that's something I've faced a lot. Um, it's a yes for me too. Uh, like I said earlier in our own events, uh, we've had some people who uh, just joined there to draw. Uh, I've noticed that also in social media, this topic always seems to heat things up a bit. <laughs> I often see lots of comments like, uh, if women are so good at gaming, how come there is none in esports? Uh, women always complain about pointless stuff. Everyone gets toxic commenting in gaming and it's no different for women, for women and so on. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we are all familiar with these kinds of sort of counter discourses or counter arguments that question the issue that why why we need to talk about this and it's very interesting that that you both addressed here this this social controversy that we have around these equality initiatives and also in research i can see that it's widely recognized that minority people often experience very difficult to speak out exactly because you quite easily become labeled as difficult. And this is something that women in particular experience. And that is one of the reasons that many of the um, discriminatory practices and many of the harassment cases, whether they are big or small, they, they are silenced because there are not enough spaces where you can actually speak out about them. Well, uh, if we then look at all the work that nonetheless is done for promoting diversity. Do you think that we are doing enough and the right types of things? Or would you like to see some changes in how in how we approach diversity issues? Uh, from organizational or or the company side, we are seeing organizations uh, using more data and uh, hiring specific roles to support diversity and inclusion related initiatives within their uh, companies. But we also see a lot of companies merely starting their efforts. Uh, so what we could use, um, I think, is more diversity consultants who already exist and offer tailor-made trainings and assessments uh, to see where your company actually stands. Um, we need to treat diversity as the company-wide business transformation it is, rather than something that the PR or marketing or HR does on the side of their other tasks. So um, get a professional of this field to support that transformation. And this ensures that we take the right steps and actual impact gets done as well without impact you're wasting time after all well in my opinion progress has been made but we still need to do more in this situation it wouldn't be bad for example to organize different leagues in esports for female players and gender minorities uh, for example like riot games plan to do uh, i feel like it's easier to take part in those for example, I've seen lots of questionnaires where female players don't even want to consider esports because uh, the gaming community is so toxic towards women. Also, the penalties in games for toxic behavior could be more severe. Usually you get like two days mute in chat as a penalty. And of course, the penalties get more severe depending on how much you keep breaking the rules. Eventually, you might get your account banned, but it will take a, take a lot of rule breaking before that happens. 
In some games people get banned because of toxicity, but then they just create a new account and keep on being toxic. In addition, I think it would be really important to make more diverse game characters and use them in adverts too. Role models are really important, so people can see that gaming industry is also available for people like them and something they can choose to do. Yes, I think that you both raised very uh, important aspects here. Uh, what you said, Marianne, about this idea that we might create women-only spaces, so that's something I've also run into in my research that they can be sometimes very helpful because, like you pointed out, even female players in, involved in high-performance esports, uh, they also encounter dismissive comments. So it's not, even though they are very skilled players, there is still a lot of mitigation against women. And this has, I think, a lot to do with the masculine gamer culture, which pretty much assumes that men are prototypically the, the hardcore, uh, highly skilled gamers, whereas girl gamers play skills, they, they are often questioned. And um, women also experience sexualized comments and harassment in online game situations. And because of this, women are often experiencing big pressure, sort of, you need to prove that you can play as well or even better than the men men in your team or in the in the other team and in this respect the the all female tournaments they can help relieve these pressures and allow women a space where they can just enjoy playing there's yet one other thing now that i have been listening to your your experiences uh, so there's one thing i would like to talk to you from how I see it, is that it seems to be quite common that when we talk about diversity issues in games and in tech at large, we think mostly about women. Also, many of the um, campaigns that are targeted specifically at getting more women to study coding or getting women interested in the STEM field in science, technology, mathematics and engineering. For example, the Mimit Gorda program, Women Who Code program, which is powered by the Finnish Software and E-Business Association, is one well-known initiative from this, this field. However, I've been wondering, and I would like to ask you, that how do the challenges of other marginalized groups appear? Because on the other hand, there has been an increased interest in the society and in research to address marginalization through intersectionality, where we try to understand inequalities sort of as a result of multiple intersecting identity categories. Let's say, for example, how does it feel to be a non-binary immigrant in this, in this space? So do you have any thoughts on this? How do the challenges of different marginalized groups appear in gaming cultures? And are these, first of all, recognized in the companies? Um, this is a very important notion. Um, and I personally hate when diversity-related conversations revolve around gender alone, um, as there's a lot of different aspects to it, whether it's sexuality, ethnicity or socioeconomic status, and a bunch of other factors too. Um, I don't think companies in my field recognize this as well as they could, 
Um, although working with uh, people from various different cultures, for example, is very familiar to many game studios and tech companies as well. Uh, but what we also hear is uh, that the culture isn't as inclusive uh, and welcoming as it could be. Um, I mean, naked sodanites and switching the conversation to Finnish might alienate a lot of people. Um, as for gaming culture, there's still plenty of racism, for example, so we still need to do a lot of work to improve that culture for everyone, um, not just women alone. Um, I think this is a really good question too, and because FGF is geared towards gender minorities too, we need to think about this topic a lot. Uh, I, for example, as a president of FGF, get a lot of questions uh, or cooperation requests, but the uh, questions ETC are almost every time about women. I usually want to remind that we are an association that is also geared towards gender minorities, and we want to include their experiences to the topic as well. In my opinion, this thing alone describes a lot the inequalities faced by gender minorities in the gaming culture. Also, I want to do my research on topics, especially when a bigger speech or something is coming up. And related to this, I've noticed uh, there isn't any research data about gender minorities and gaming. And I really feel that we need, <laughs> need more data about that topic. Um, also, the experiences in the gaming culture may differ quite a lot between women and gender minorities. Uh, with people part of gender minorities, the, the discrimination in gaming may be, for example, related to their voice in voice chat. Uh, people may also just assume their gender wrongly. Uh, games can be described as a fitful for gender minorities, and some games are thought to be inferior because of that. Um, however, there are also some similarities with women and gender minorities as well. For example, gaming skills are often questionized. Uh, if you don't fit to the proper, a proper gaming profile, which is often a young heterosexual male. Yes, uh, indeed, I, I really uh, recognize these features from from the research and how it observes this whole gamer culture and the industry because the the ideal gamer is often portrayed as a young man as you, as Marianne you said here and then also an ideal games industry worker is often imagined as a young man who can devote a lot of your time to to also build your skills outside the office hours and so on. But there is actually a minor shift going on, not only in our society, but also in the research. Because what I notice is that more and more researchers are starting to pay attention to, to addressing the, the different challenges that these minority groups are experiencing. So I think that in the next years we will definitely have more information about also other minorities than women. And um, what else? Well, you both emphasize that there is perhaps uh, this need to, to be more sensitive to these factors that alienate people with different backgrounds. 
and um, to sort of to pay attention to the unique experiences. And as I said, I think that this is the direction we, where we are definitely going towards. And um, I think maybe to wrap up, I think this has been a really engaging discussion and it's been very good to learn about the things that are being done in the field, in your voluntary organizations. Uh, but before we leave, I was wondering if, if we could uh, maybe hear one or two key takeaways for those individuals and organizations who really want to do their part in supporting diversity. How would you maybe advise them based on your own experiences? Um, from my view as a comms consultant, um, you should start with inclusion and internal processes, um, external communications and actions come after your current employees feel included and heard. Um, diversity is not a PR stunt or a tool for marketing and it should touch the entire organization. So make sure uh, your internal affairs are in order before communicating all that uh, to external audiences. Well, I could actually continue a little bit uh, about what I said earlier about toxic behavior in games. In my opinion, it is important to intervene if you uh, encounter a situation where someone is treated badly in games. Uh, so I think it's also the responsibility of the whole community and also each indi individual. It always helps if the person doesn't have to be uh, in the situation alone and that there is someone who is telling the toxic person that it's not okay to behave like that. Also, it is always very important to report toxic behavior in games. Uh, in my opinion, for organizations, it is important to show that everyone is welcome just as they are. That's why I think we need more diverse characters in games, for example, and also overall work in the games industry. Uh, for organizations, I think it is also extremely important to intervene if something happens. Uh, we also need to raise overall knowledge about gaming and we need to show that gamers are a really diverse group. Uh, thank you, Jenny, and thank you, Marianne. Great piece of advice from both of you. And um, I must say that it's been really wonderful to hear your experiences and I think you have offered us many interesting viewpoints to how we can think of diversity and inclusion. On the one hand, what both of you have emphasized is that it requires commitment from companies and organizations to really critically examine their own cultures and engage in this organization-wide change initiative. However, um, as you showed, uh, there are also smaller possibilities to make an impact whether you are a member of a gaming community or if you are working for a game studio, you can always look for the opportunities to make a change in the everyday interactions, such as what you suggested earlier, paying attention to the type of language we use, the types of jokes that we tell or the types of images we choose when we represent our, our company. I think it's time for us to um, wrap up. So uh, thank you so much, Jenny and Marianne, for joining us today. 
Um, thanks, this was really nice. Thank you. I think this was a great discussion. Thank you. And to our listeners, I hope that you have enjoyed listening to this podcast. I would uh, like to add that this podcast is accompanied by a short blog where we have included additional readings regarding diversity and inclusion in games industry, as well as links to some of the nonprofit organizations and diversity initiatives, particularly in the Finnish context, in case you are interested in learning more. But for now, thanks for staying with us.